Hello and welcome back to the Motorsport This Week podcast. Today I've got all the boys with me, Jez and Alex. Say hello, boys. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. Nice, nice. Um, glad to have glad to have us all to back together, the original Motorsport This Week crew. But uh, yeah, let's get straight into it. So, Hungarian Grand Prix for the F1. You know, another Max Verstappen win. You know, car number 44. Could not stop Max Verstappen getting his forty fourth win, but you know, <laughs> Jez, as a as a big Red Bull fan yourself, you know, what do you think about it? I mean, obviously the the big talking point from that weekend was like I'm talking about after the race. Uh, Red Bull broke the record, didn't they? The yeah. twelve wins in a row, not not achieved by any team in Formula One history. Uh, at this point, you can't you can't really say anything bad about them. They've been phenomenal. I mean, you could say something bad about them as a as a Mercedes fan, Lewis, but on a, <laughs> on a whole, they've been unstoppable this whole season. And Max again proved that he didn't he didn't have it in qualifying. Obviously, lost it by three milliseconds. I couldn't believe that three milliseconds. Hamilton took pole by. But then he ended up winning by 33 seconds, which is outrageous. Outrageous. Like, he, he led every single lap as well. So if, and, 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 oh, no, did he, he get, did he get the fastest lap as well? Uh, I, think yeah, I can't so. remember if he got. If he did get the fastest lap. Yeah. He, he did all the things he needed to do in the race. He didn't get the, the full Grand Chalem, like with pole position and stuff like that. Yeah. But it was a another Max Verstappen masterclass and you you can't fault him for this he is just you, levels above no everyone excuse, else man. there's there's no excuse but uh going on to Alex you know you're a Ferrari man yourself what the you know Ferrari weren't performing too well obviously a little squabble between the team mates I think Sons was on the softs and Leclerc was on the mediums and he was a bit you know ignorant to Letting past. I know you didn't watch a race, Alex, but you know what? What do you think about the squabble between the teammates? And you know, could Sainz be out of that Ferrari uh, when his contract expires? I, I, mean, I think at the moment, just Ferrari are just in a bit of a mess, and they do. I, mean, I think it is harsh to say that. I think me and Jess were speaking about last week out because you've got McLaren, Mercedes, Ferrari, and Aston Martin. A bad like. If obviously McLaren are up there now, and obviously Mercedes, so that pushes what? Um, so say P one and two is Red Bull, and then you got to that push the Ferrari down to P seven and eight, which just seems like a really bad weekend. But I don't think that's car, that car is as bad uh, is as bad as a P seven or eight. Like it's not miles off. Like whereas in the past we've seen, I don't know, I can't think off the top of my head an exact midfield car. They'd be miles off like the the top three. I think it's so close at the minute with like the the top three. Yeah. Well, not top three anymore, but like the the four behind uh, Red Bull. That I think, yeah, Ferrari. They don't. It doesn't look good on paper, but I don't think that car is as bad. And in terms of them coming together, I think. Science. I, I don't think it's harsh. I, I don't think he's too bad of a driver, Carlos Science. I think he'll. Yeah. When does his contract end? Does he got till twenty twenty five? Not twenty twenty five. Yeah. I think it's until twenty twenty five. And I was reading something last week that uh, apparently they're looking at. Um, what is it? A- Alex Albon to replace oh, wow. Science, which That'd could be, be 
that could yeah. be interesting because you know Alex has been driving the absolute wheels off the Williams as of recent. But um, yeah, it's just you know Carlos Sainz has obviously been in Formula One for many years, and I I just I don't see I don't like to see, I wouldn't like to see his time ending, but you know it it could be up with a harsh world of Formula One. You know Nick DeVries got sacked after ten races for example but you know it's just it's just it's just really not it's just a really harsh world isn't it but uh speaking of Nick DeVries you know his replacement Daniel Ricciardo made his return to the grid for the first time since Abu Dhabi 2022 and you know got didn't he get clipped by uh Joe at the the start yeah got got clipped by Joe at the start and made an incredible comeback drive to P13, out, outdoing Yuki Tsunoda. You know, I I I I actually want to touch on that because, you know, Yuki's been, like, you know, put on a pedestal as this great young talent, but he's never really had a teammate apart from Gasly. He's never really had a teammate that, like, has outshone him. And that's allowed him to, like, be you know the Red Bull Junior team star boy. But now he's got Ricardo in that, in that AlphaTauri with him. Yeah, you know, like, do you reckon there's going to be like a bit of tension? Do you reckon there's going to be like a bit of competition to, you know, keep his like spot on that pedestal? Well, I think before the race, uh, before the the weekend had started, there was like a, a, a quote from Yuki Tsunoda about the the rivalry between himself and Danny Rick, and he said it's and he was saying like, whoever the better driver is will go up into that Red Bull team. Like he didn't he didn't really want to pick up like a friendship of such with Danny Rick. He was just there like he is he is a, per, a person to race against to see if he can actually make the step up to Red Bull because. Let's be realistic here. Danny Rick is a placeholder for Liam Lawson, probably Hopefully into that. Lawson. Hopefully, Hopefully Liam Lawson into that Alfatari. And it's like a it's like a, a testing ground to see if Sonoda's capable of fighting a multiple time race winner, former Red Bull driver himself, to see if he's up to the mark to maybe partner Verstappen in the future for many more years to come. And and obviously from this first weekend. Uh, Ricardo out-qualified Sonoda. Sonoda went out in Q1. Ricardo qualified P13. Then obviously Ricardo got a hit, as we said, from behind by Zhou Guan Yu, who, who had a terrible start himself. From from yeah. you have to give props to him though for starting P5. I know this is I know this is about yeah. Alpha Towery, but Zhou Guan Yu starting P5 in the in the Alpha Romeo was ridiculous. But yeah, he had his struggles at the start. Then clips Danny Rick. Then the Constantina effect into the the two Alpines, and yeah, with the damage to his car, he still managed to nurse it back to where he started P thirteen, and again finished ahead of Yuki Tsunoda. So, I mean, that clearly still shows how good of a driver Danny Rick is. Like, how long has he been out of F one? Like, obviously, you said six since months. Abu Dhabi. Yeah, six months, and what he only drove in drove the the Red Bull car for that Silverstone test. Yeah. On different tire compounds as well. On comp- completely different tire compounds, different weather conditions. Obviously, it's a Red Bull as well, but like he's been out of the car for that long, jumped back into a Formula One weekend, 
I'll qualify your teammate, finish ahead of your teammate with a damaged car. It just shows how how good Danny Rick can be, no matter the machinery. Do you reckon? Do you reckon there's? I'm going to ask Alex this because I can tell he's wet. I can tell he's raring to say something. <laughs> you know, with a Nick DeVries situation, do you reckon that's a bit of a you know boot up the backside for Sonoda to like actually like not that his head wasn't in the game and that Alpha Tauri's scored two points across eleven races, but do you reckon that's a bit of a boot up the backside to like oh yeah I'm at I'm at the red. I'm at the Red Bull Junior team that can sack me at any moment. Yeah, I think it could be. I mean, obviously, it's Sonoda, like you said, the, the two points that Alpha Tauri have scored with it at the start of the season when they were with Sonoda, so he showed he can outperform his team. And I know Nick DeVries wasn't great, but now having uh, Ricardo next to him, who obviously an experienced race-winning driver, he's got someone to compete with. And like you said, Jez, he's got it. Uh, he said it's not a, it's like a battle between the two of them in terms of who goes into that Red Bull seat next, but surely uh, Daniel Ricciardo is not going to be in that Alpha Tauri next year. I don't know if any of you can see that actually nah, happening. Nah, but also, not. like um, I think we said last year, Horn has like said he's going to be in there. Uh, Perez will probably be in that Red Bull next year. So you have to just see what happens with uh, Ricciardo. What are his options? You know, maybe it is only the Alpha Tauri and that's why he stays. But like as we've been saying, I think since <laughs> the podcast started, I think Liam Lawson is like destined for Alpha Tauri seat at the moment. And whether it's with Sonoda, if Sonoda keeps underperforming, then yeah, Red Bull are um, you know very harsh and with their drivers, and they will just get rid of him if he does underperform and you know gets beat by Ricciardo, who's not been in F1 for six months, but. Relatively speaking, six months, it's not as long. You know, we've seen drivers take longer yeah. uh, breaks from F1 than that. And, you know, it does take them a bit to get going. But obviously, all Ricardo has to do is just show that he's, this weekend anyway, is show that he's better than Yuki Tsunoda, which he done quite comfortably. Yeah, it's not it's not very hard, is it, to show you better than someone in, a, you know, the worst car on the grid. But actually, that that's a bit of a stupid statement to make. But um, anyway... Mercedes, you know, Lewis Hamilton went started on pole for the first time since Jeddah 2021, for the first time in 33 races. You know, it it looked promising. It looked promising all the way throughout that formation lap. I was like, yeah, come on, Lewis. Come on, Lewis. And as the lights went out, Matt, he, he didn't even get past the first corner before he was overtaken. <laughs> But he lost three positions in one corner and I'm not calling Lewis a battle job or anything, but I think, you know, I think it's very, as we were saying before on the pod, I think it's very much a case of Lewis outperforming the car as he usually does because, you know, there's... I, I don't know. I think I think it was just a bit of a fluke that he got it on pole, because you know even though George Russell got unlucky, P18 and pole is when you don't have when you know when you have the third or fourth best car on the grid, you know it's it's a bit of an anomaly. Like Jez obviously he 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 uh, messed up Max Verstappen getting another pole added onto his record. So yeah, yeah. What do you did. think of that? Annoyingly, he did because uh, I think he would have would have would he tied with Michael Schumacher for well because the the record that he, that he was going for at the time was most consecutive wins from from pole 
and he was on five, five straight pole positions, five straight wins. And if he if he took pole in Hungary, he, and he obviously won the race, that could have been. I think it was a record equaling uh, with Michael Schumacher, but obviously that didn't happen. Um, obviously, it's a bit annoying that he didn't that Max didn't get pole position for the for the Grand Chelem that it is in F1. But I mean, it was a, it was a feel good moment for for Lewis Hamilton, and I think the majority of people at the Hungara ring, apart from that massive wedge of orange fans, <laughs> were were pretty happy to see Lewis Hamilton take pole. Obviously, I don't think any of them were expecting it that, that he would come take pole by three milliseconds. It was, but it was a feel good moment. Like Lewis Hamilton has tried to battle his way back from. How terrible this Mercedes car has been. Not a single pole or win in 2022. Comes back in halfway through 2023 and somehow stuck it on pole for the 104th time in his career. Like it was, it was a good moment at the time. But then, as you said, <laughs> it was a, it was good up to the formation lap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for, for Lewis fans anyway. And uh, yeah, then and then after that, I think that was that's where we saw the the true Mercedes. Because uh, realistically, they shouldn't be on the front row that, that often. Yeah. The car, the car isn't as good as it isn't as good as Hamilton makes it out to be. And like you said, Lewis, it feels like he's outperforming the car. But at the same time, we could say the same about George Russell because at the start of the season, Russell had Hamilton's number for a while, didn't he? For the yeah. first couple of races. Yeah, definitely. So, definitely. I mean, both drivers are supremely talented, but at at what at some points or another in the season, they both outperform the car to very good levels yeah so another car with a mercedes engine is the aston martin and you know all this talk about fernando alonso is going to win his going to win his first race in 10 years you know fernando alonso is going to get pole all the talk about that in the first you know two three weeks leading up to leading up to the bahrain grand prix and then practice session one was he first or second in first. practice session f- first first in practice session one first in practice sh- session two first in practice session three and then quite where did he qualify like p4 or p5 i think it was p3 p3 yeah. no, I, don't, I think he did actually i think he did qualify p5 but then he finished p3 in bahrain uh, yeah, he, yeah, yeah he come back then he he fought back went past hamilton and quite uh, science as well obviously i think leclerc had a engine failure which is just yeah. typical <laughs> typical. <laughs> typical Ferrari but you know I don't see him getting spoke about enough he, he almost seems like he's you know Fernando Alonso's faded off into existence I haven't saw any you know major headlines about him in the past in the past weeks and obviously he's like you know he's still up there but he's like you know dropping back dropping his way back into the midfield like what what has happened to what has happened to um what is it Aston Martin? Aston Martin. It's a weird one, isn't it? How like good they were. They were the clear clear second <laughs> best car when they after the first two races and I, I don't, obviously development. Do you reckon maybe Aston Martin just used all their like money and resources at the start, like over pre season to develop that car and now obviously all the other teams are catching up with them? Probably. Probably. You know, Lawrence Stroll has got all the money in the world, and 
No, he's but fair play to him. He's built the new factory. He's built everything, and but it's it's just a shame to see because you know at, at the end of the day, money can't buy everything in Formula One. It's all about it's all about design. It's all about you know people talk about Mercedes. You know, breaking the cut. Well, when there weren't even a cost cap, not like exceeding the cost cap, not like spending five hundred million on a car. But you know, at the end of the day, it's all about it's all about design. It's all about you know, Formula One is all about who can make the best car, and you know, it's like homologation, like how you have to fit the regulations. That is a good thing for the FIA to do, but you know, it's like it should be, you know, create whatever whatever you want in these like you know like baselines, and then. Whoever has the best car wins. Like what? Like what would Formula One be if it was like that? Well, I don't know, I don't know how Formula One would be. Not gonna lie. I mean, it, it, it might be a bit boring because you have the all the 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 high budget teams just spending on everything and then yeah. driving off into the distance, leaving teams like Williams or Aston <laughs> yeah. in the mud. It'd be quite boring in that sense. But then if you have like loads of these teams that could spend to whatever amounts develop these weird parts that work it could it could develop it could throw up some weird like surprise results it would be it could be quite interesting on in that sense yeah definitely um what do you think about the equal engine regulations because uh i know indycar has it has it i, I can see i can see jez's ears pricked up <laughs> At the, at the mention of IndyCar, but you know, I I read ahead, I read something about uh, equal engines being talked about because apparently the Renault engine is that far behind. So, you know, if equal engines were to be a thing, what would you think of that, Alex? I mean, I think you just said about Renault uh, being far behind. I'm pretty sure they're the ones that are sort of pushing that agenda at the moment. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, typical. It's always the cars that are a little bit slower. We've seen Mercedes always saying about Red Bull how they should be. There should be some regulation put in place how they can't develop next year's car. But in terms of uh, equal edge, I think the the thing about F1 is which makes it so special is every team has their own like parts every their own and like yeah. condition i know like uh, has buys off ferrari or whatever but i think like you were saying about the cost cap like that's why f1 is so special because you have teams like williams that have come from a you know obviously like an independent route and like just having that like and obviously when seeing williams do well i think everyone enjoys seeing them well doing well over these like big you know businesses corporations whatever you want to call them you know i think that's what makes f1 what it is almost yeah, because you know, if you think about if you think about all the feet, all the feeder series into F one, that's all equal performance, and that's based off driver merit. And you know, there can only be so much of that because you know we don't want to. It's not like a spec going to a spec series. It wouldn't be like it. It wouldn't be like it'd be a big change for people who watch F one because. You know, only the hardcore fans watch, you know, F3, F2. I watched a bit of F2. I watched uh, Jack Zouan, like, dominate, dominate the field in, uh, was it, he took pole in the sprint race and then led every lap. Feature race. It was a feature race. Yeah, yeah he, he did race. that in Hungary. Yeah. But, obviously, 
but we'll go we'll go back to Jack Doohan in a in a minute. But you know, like if if they're trying if they came up to like if they released a statement one day saying, oh yeah, we're changing we're changing this from you know twenty 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 six, every engine will be the same. I think there'd be a lot of uproar from the new F one fans because, you know, it people don't seem to like change, do they? But I think I think that that I was gonna say just sorry to interrupt there, but I think it's like the change the people that are not happy with the change are like the the older fans, you know, because with with what Stefano Domenicali's been doing, he's trying to push the boat out to to reach the new fans, you know, like incorporating with DTS. The the money you see where it's coming from, new fans coming into the sport, it makes sense to to cater towards them rather than yeah. the F one purists. So I lost my I've lost my trail of thought there, but uh, along those lines of the changes would probably would probably be to try and bring in new newer newer fans because like if you say you've equaled the equaled the engines out you've basically turned this into a spec series yeah. same same engines obviously the chassis and stuff and the, all the aero stuff will be different but you know same engines it's just now down to the engineers to cook up a, a cook up a masterpiece with their with their cars and that could be interesting for for new fans like I, I, for for like the the racing purists like the older fans that have had this sport before DTS or Domenicali came in or before Liberty Media even came in, they won't be too happy with it because it's taken away from what they've been watching for so long. But it it kind of makes sense on on both sides of the story, if you see what I mean. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So going back to Jack Doohan, obviously, Grand Slam in the feature race, you know, could he be a potential F1 rookie next season? Hmm, it's a tough one. Because he's because he's in that Alpine Academy, yeah. And we we've seen what we've seen what Alpine have done with a with a Australian talent that has <laughs> lifted his way through the through the F two scene. We've seen this story before, and it didn't didn't end up very well for either Oscar Piastri or Alpine to start with. But now obviously Piastri is thriving in that McLaren. Um, I don't think. He'll be an F1 rookie next season. I don't think that Alpine will get rid of either Ocon or Gasly. And there's not really another place that Jack Duran could realistically go to with that. With the Alpine backing that he has, there's not really a another F1 seat that will probably open up for him for next season. But, yeah, it's just, it's just a shame to see, you know, Felipe Drogovic waiting on the sidelines, obviously, Oscar Piastri took the whole of 2022 out you know we were speaking about this a few weeks ago there should be another series for you know the formula the formula 2 champions that are just waiting for an f1 suit just to go just like even if it's yeah (laughs) (laughs) even if it's like for them to like just mess about they don't even have to race just mess about in an f1 car (laughs) for like a whole season (laughs) That would be cool though. Just like you have, you have all the the like all the academy drivers that should, that can't be in F two anymore or have left the series, coming back to to this sort of make believe series just to, just to race each other for fun. There's no like yeah, how many donuts on the can line. you do? 
<laughs> no rules. No rules, just put corners everywhere. Yeah. Just use all Imagine the logic to back in for it as well. <laughs> no, that's, P, that's P20 locked on the grid straight away. <laughs> He's doing donuts on his pit box. <laughs> Can't even get out of the pits. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that would actually be such a sick idea, though. It, it would yeah. actually it actually go really hard. Definitely. <laughs> we sh- we should start uh, the boys at motorsport this week. At some point, <laughs> come together. We'll make our own FIA. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Get get Mazepin's dad to fund us. <laughs> oh, the Ural Kalim Motorsport This Week Championship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 oh dear oh dear dear oh dear alright Jez I can see I can see you're excited because I mentioned IndyCar but um, yeah, do you want to ramble on about IndyCar for a few minutes <laughs> I most certainly would love to because IndyCar had a double weather this weekend <laughs> Lewis is laughing at me because I'm so excited about this but IndyCar had a double header then a race on Saturday and a race on Sunday. They were going around the Iowa Speedway, which is uh, the shortest oval track in the on the IndyCar calendar. It is seven eighths of a mile long. It's not even not a full mile. It's seven eighths of a mile. That's the the lap distance. It's not not quite a full mile, but it's very it's a small circuit, very fast, and. My favourite driver in IndyCar is Joseph Newgarden. And the bloke went and did the double. He won the first race on Saturday, came back on the Sunday, popped the champagne again on the top step of the podium. He is the king of the ovals, is Joseph Newgarden. There have been four oval races uh, in in this IndyCar season. Uh, Joseph Newgarden has won all four of them. He won at Texas, he won the Indianapolis 500, and he's won both of these Iowa Speedway races. There's one more oval track uh, in uh, St. Louis, uh, at Gateway in, in Missouri, but that's that's the last uh, oval track of the season. But with his, with his, uh, with his victories around the oval, uh, Joseph Newgarden made some history. He became, he became the third driver in all of IndyCar history to win consecutive IndyCar series oval events. So to win five, five consecutive IndyCar oval events. Because he won. Max Verstappen could never, by the way. <laughs> I don't think Max Verstappen wants to drive in ovals. I don't think I don't think that's I don't think that's part of his plan. He's but... already getting bored of F1 and winning. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if he just goes and wins <laughs> driving in ovals and I don't think he'd last very long doing that one. <laughs> yeah, if he's already bored of just lapping around, lapping around Silverstone with the ease that he does, then I can't imagine how bored he'd be driving, just turning left every every couple of seconds. But yeah, he became the third driver in IndyCar history to win five straight oval races. AJ Foyt did it in 1964. Alonso Senior did it in 1968 and 1970, and now Joseph Newgarden in 2023 he's obviously won these four races here but then this season and then last season he won the grand prix in st louis at gateway he won that oval race as well so that's where the consecutive ovals have come from and because of that because the he won both races 
he then jumped up into second in the IndyCar uh, in the IndyCar standings. And the lead that Alex Pelot had before the weekend was in the 120 range. It's now been sliced to just 80 points because of Joseph Newgarden winning both races. He started the weekend in third. He's now up to second. And yeah, uh, Alex Pelot is on 477. Joseph Newgarden, 397. So it's just 80 points in it between between those two drivers. And there's only five races left in the IndyCar Ooh. season. Yeah, Ooh. we get it. Get into the business end now, and the next Grand Prix. Oh God, we get a championship fight. We, I, we're definitely, we've, we've got a championship fight right now. I don't, I don't know what you said. How, do, you how does it? How does the point system work? I think it's fifty. I think fifty points for a race win. So, ooh, and, and Joseph Newgarden won both races, so he snagged up a hundred points. So, ooh. so it's obviously it's obviously wide open, and the next race. Uh, for IndyCar is in Joseph Newgarden's home city of Nashville, Tennessee, the Grand Prix of Nashville. Uh, that's a that's a bad sign. Well, it could be a bad sign. It could be an amazing sign. He didn't have an amazing last year, but you know, off the back of two straight oval wins, it's a it's a it's a street course around the streets of Nashville. You have to drive over a you have to drive over a bridge. Like the start finish line is on a bridge. Which is yeah. which is like crazy, That's but uh, cool. <laughs> it, it is quite cool. It's it's fascinating. It's kind of like the, I don't know if you guys know the the Bosphorus in Turkey. Have you seen like the the bridge between Europe and Asia? It kind of looks like that, but the cars are starting on that bridge, which is oh very very cool. Yeah, that that's 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 for another. It's in two weeks time that race. So there's no IndyCar this weekend, but cool. but with that there was another stat as well that I'm just gonna quickly scroll down on Instagram to find out. And uh, it was that during the, the first race at Iowa, there was a, a number, do you want to guess how many on-track overtakes there were in uh, the in the first two. race at Iowa? Two? Probably, more, over. Than, probably more than what there was at Hungary. <laughs> quite, quite a lot. Yeah. Quite a lot. Of, they, they had 1,502 on track overtakes. I, I was I was close for the two. <laughs> <laughs> Just a further one thousand five hundred off. Yeah, <laughs> but one thousand five hundred on track overtakes in a race is ridiculous. How, how many laps? Uh, two hundred and fifty laps. <sighs> like th- th- that is a lot of overtaking. That is six a six a lap. Yeah, and because the the lap is right, quite a, it's a it's a short lap though. Yeah, it's a short yeah. It's a short lap. It's a short circuit, but still like trying to navigate your way through twenty eight cars on the grid, twenty eight cars around such a small oval. It's like it's like a, it's like a maze to try and weave your way through because there's no blue flags or anything in IndyCar. If you're a lap down, you can still race against the leader to try and get your lap back. Like you can, there's no blue flag stuff in in IndyCar, which is a bit annoying. But it's it's crazy that like how much overtaking there is. And I'm saying I'm saying this again. Watch IndyCar. Watch it. Watch it. I'm telling you. Where in what other motorsport series do you get 1,500 on track overtakes? Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, uh, that's 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 my take for IndyCar done. Belgian Grand Prix <laughs> preview. Max for Max wins. All Max, right, Max can start. That's all we have time for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think we need to take too long speaking about Belgium, do we? <laughs> I was going to say Max can start in the Netherlands and still win the race. Yeah. <laughs> Max don't even have to compete to win the race. <laughs> He can he can already go on a summer break. He'll 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 win the race. It's all right. <laughs> Definitely. I I heard Mark, uh, David Croft saying, um, they can win the uh, championship. They can win the constructors' championship as early as Monza. What? And he, uh, Max can win it. Uh, win the drivers in Singapore. Oh my word! That's two or three races time. Before, yeah. but up to five races time, they can sweep both the championships. Man. Wow! But it, it's it's just depressing, man. <laughs> because the races won't mean anything. Then it hasn't meant it... anything for the last like three or four races. Yeah. <laughs> but then it could be quite fun. Like you could have like Max and Max and Red Bull could like take their foot off the gas and. You know, let, 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 let them get a bit closer. He won't. The, the racing might get a bit better, to be honest. If the yeah. championships are done, you usually see there's a bit more... I don't know, well, actually saying that, Verstappen won the championship last year, he didn't let Perez go past the P6, so yeah. maybe not. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I hope it will be a bit more exciting. I hope it is. I think next season it will be. I think with the yeah, McLaren, I think Mercedes are going to get better. Um, Ferrari are always going to be there or thereabouts. And then Aston Martin, <laughs> I think they'll have another push next season, hopefully. And then you never know, the car might make the jump up like an Alpine or something. And then yeah. it's close, but there's such a big gap to get to that Red Bull. So. Yeah, so. definitely. But um, hopefully Red Bull are not as dominant next season. Hopefully these uh, you know, sanctions coming to play but that won't that won't well there's cost cap um, regulations apparently being broken anyway so we don't know who they are <coughs> Mercedes um, yeah apparently it's Mercedes or Red Bull so we're going we're gonna to be finding out aren't we after the in August is it yeah and they said yeah so we'll, we'll soon see cool. <laughs> see who that is cool alright that's all we have time for this week on the best podcast in the world Yes, but, sir. Uh, yeah, it was nice having all the boys back together. We'll be back next week, hopefully. But yeah, for the Belgian Grand Prix pre- uh, re- review and the last podcast before the summer break, obviously we're still gonna we're still gonna be doing podcasts over the summer break. But hopefully we can get some guests on. But you know, stay tuned for that and uh, bye bye for now. Bye bye. Bye. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.